Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. I'm here in our online studio with Dustin Messer. Uh, Dustin is the vicar at All Saints Dallas in Texas. He also teaches at King's College and Reformed Seminary. And Dustin and I are here today to talk about catechesis as discipleship in youth ministry. Dustin, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Mike. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be a guest, as I've told you before on uh, this podcast. I just I follow everything you do and think it's so important. So it genuinely is a real honor to be here. Yeah, well, no, it, it's my honor to have you on. And I know um, that not too long ago, you uh, messaged about a seminar you're hosting about catechesis. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. If I wasn't in Massachusetts and I was anywhere near Texas, I would so be there. So instead, can we talk on the podcast about this? And I'm really thrilled that you agreed. So thanks for your ministry and for uh, talking about catechesis. You know, I just think it's so important. Yeah, it's it's important. It's a kind of I think you know it's one of those kind of old words that people aren't that familiar with. But we can remedy getting you uh, to Texas for something. So one day uh, next year in Jerusalem, we'll, hey, we'll meet up in Texas. I'm down. I'm down. Let's make it happen. Um, so before we dive into catechesis, um, I think it's always fun to hear from our guests and get to know their teenage selves a little bit. Uh, so Dustin, what was your dream job? as a teenager? I, my grandpa was a, uh, a constable and uh, so he was in law enforcement and was a cowboy. Um, and I always thought it would be cool. I just thought being in law enforcement and being a cowboy are such cool things. And at the time, like in every year for Halloween, I always went as Walker, Texas Ranger. Well, I was just going to make a Walker, Texas Ranger joke. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, it's it is not a joke to me. It's very serious. So I'm glad oh, you did I, it. I, I uh, apologize because Walker was such a part <laughs> of my my early life. So probably by high school, I knew that I didn't have the karate skills to really be a Texas Ranger. But uh, <laughs> that was my that was my goal, and I'd talk about it a lot as a kid. And people thought I was talking about like the baseball team, the Texas Ranger. And I don't really care oh, about yeah, sports. Yeah. Sports oh, at be all. A Texas Ranger. Yeah. yeah, so I was just always, no one understood why I was so excited about it. And sometimes, you know, in Texas, as I'm from Texas, you'd see a Texas Ranger yeah. uh, at, a, at a restaurant or something, and I'd always go talk to him. And uh, so that was, that was my dream for many years. Okay, so educate me. What, what is the difference between a Texas Ranger and just like a yeah. police officer? Man, it's such a good... What, or is that what you call your state police officers? It is if you want to get a roundhouse kick to the face. I don't know if you've ever seen Walker, but uh, oh, I've I've watched it. Oh, Chuck okay, Norris all okay, day yeah, long. Yeah. yeah. No, interestingly, well, with the I, Texas, I'm from New England. I mean, Texas yeah. is Texas could be on the uh, other side of the world for so as if you much think as I know of, culture. If you think of like what the U.S. Marshals are um, for for the United States, the Texas Rangers 
when Texas was uh, its own country, um, the Texas Ranger were kind of the federal law enforcement. You know, there's a lot to do with uh, sort of boundary policing and probably mm-hmm. a little bit of a murky history mm-hmm. in some ways. But then when uh, Texas joined uh, the Union, um, they were allowed to have, I think this is true, 99, but no more than 99 something. It's been a long time since I looked oh. at this, but uh, uh, people, because it is, they have, they're on par with like the FBI or something like that. It's very unique oh, really? to Texas. Okay. The remit of and their. And there's a very limited number then. Yeah. Very okay. limited. The, the their kind of motto is one riot one ranger because it requires a few. So the sort of things they do now are like if you would imagine the FBI being involved or the U.S. Marshals being involved. That's the sort of crime yeah. that you would think of as being federal jurisdiction. And Texas is often involves a Texas Ranger, and I'm sure the FBI technically yeah. outranks uh, the the Texas Rangers, but they do kind of legally have uh, a unique remit as compared to other state law enforcement agencies. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, I feel very educated now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, once again, my my curiosity leads us down these rabbit rabbit trails at the beginning of the episode, but now, listeners. Now we understand a bit more what yeah. Walker Texas Ranger was all about. Yeah, pray about it. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll consider it. I think um I think at 42, I think my my time of entry into the Texas Ranger camp has has ended. Um so we're talking about catechesis in, in this episode. Um and catechesis is something that I I'm really passionate about. Um I am a Baptist. I am a New Englander. Um New England Baptist catechesis doesn't really flow together too much, um, such to the point that during my my doctorate ministry program, uh, in my thesis, I, I talked a lot about catechesis actually. And so when I went to one of the local Christian bookstores uh, to find resources about catechesis, I asked them, I was like, you know, do you have any books on catechesis and catechisms? I don't see anything. The person behind the counter. Uh, said, oh, um, I'm sorry, we don't really sell Catholic resources here, um, but I might be able to order you something if you're interested. And I just about died. So, yeah, you know, it's catechesis is not something that Protestants talk about often. Um, it's not something especially that non-liturgical Protestants talk about. So I think yeah. Uh, friends like like yourself in Anglican and Presbyterian traditions, uh, Lutheran traditions, probably uh, are, are much more better informed about catechesis. So could you just walk us through a little bit, what is catechesis and how is catechesis different from a catechism? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in the early church, as people would convert to the faith, um, they weren't shaped by uh, a Judeo-Christian worldview, let's say, right? Because the church is, is just starting. So they bring to their newfound faith all sorts of ideological baggage, mm-hmm. all kinds of ideas and categories and so forth. This is, you know, uh, the early church is often confused, for instance, of cannibalism because they would talk about yeah. eating uh, the body of Christ and drinking the blood of Christ or incest mm-hmm. because they would talk about one another as brothers and sisters and they were con- uh, can, confused about what that meant to call your wife your sister, right? So, um, 
as one would come to know Jesus and experience the spirit and, and want to join the church, the church had intentional period of time in which that new believer is inducted into the fellowship. Um, as part of that induction, they're given, it's like learning kind of a new language, uh, the language of, of the church and not just language, but a new spirituality, a new ethic. Yeah. So the early church uh, wanted to think about how do we challenge that which people think, that which people love, um, and then those actions that the person engaged in, what we might think of as ethics. And what they used was in terms of what every believer should know now that they've converted to this new faith, mm-hmm. what should they know? Well, the Apostles' Creed. So you catechize, uh, and that word just means to teach, to pass on. It's uh, similar. It's like if you were uh, at a, a catacomb or something and you yelled and you heard echoing back. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you speak and that the catechumenate hears that and that person being catechized repeats it back to you. So passing on the faith to, to a new believer. What do they need to know? Well, you know, uh, the Apostles' Creed, just the basics of the faith. Uh, what about their spirituality? You have the Lord's Prayer, so you teach them the Lord's Prayer. And then uh, what about for action? You have the Ten Commandments. Now, none of this is to say, of course, there aren't other parts of discipleship or things to know. But catechesis refers specifically to that induction time in which someone comes in to the faith. faith. You asked about the difference between catechesis and a catechism. Yeah. Well, most catechisms are still to this day built on this basic threefold structure of belief, heart, hands, head, heart, hands. Um, however, uh, there of course are new questions that arise in each genera- uh, generation and there are distinct denominational theologies and tradition mm-hmm. that arise. Yep. So a denomination will have a particular, likely a particular catechism um, that they'll, they'll use. So Martin Luther famously writes a, a catechism. You have the Westminster uh, shorter catechism. You have uh, just in, in my tradition in 2019, uh, a catechism called to be a Christian, which is a new Anglican catechism. So these will share, you know, just as you and I are in different denominations, but we agree, you know, compared to the world on 99% of everything, yeah. uh, you know, the, that 1% of difference between someone like me and you, for instance, I mean, other Christians, it might be 90% or 80% or 50%, uh, but uh, their catechism will include those uh, idiosyncrasies of their particular denomination. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> a catechism typically is question and answer, right? So it, it's written down question answer so that, uh, so I, I guess one of, so I'm in a very Catholic area. Um, mm-hmm. I often have students in youth group who disappear for a period of months because they have to go to CCD um, mm-hmm. and they have to go to catechism class. And so they, they can't come to youth group while they're going to catechism class. And uh, so, and they, they just complain about how boring it is. And, you know, yeah. I just have to memorize these things that I can tell the teacher doesn't really even believe or fully understand. It's just rote yeah. memorization. Um, and, and this is what people, you know, 
tend to assume catechism is all about, and that catechesis is just this dry, crusty, I'm going to read this question, and you're going to memorize the verse. Kind of like you know teaching kids Bible verses in, in junior church or in, in children's Sunday school. And it's just, it doesn't matter if you understand it, you just need to repeat it back to me. And if you get one word wrong, right. then no sticker for you, right? Like, yeah. Can you just speak into that and correct? <laughs> but that's not what catechesis is about, and that's not what catechisms are about. So can you yeah. kind of give some some fresh life to that? Yeah, gosh, it's so important. And I want to say that's that's not what catechesis is about. Probably, sadly, in too much of the church, that is kind of people's experience with catechesis, dry, rote memorization. But it doesn't need to be that way, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, you know, you mentioned the questions and answers. Um, it's important that it's in that structure, a catechism of question and answer, because it empowers uh, that person being catechized to ask questions yeah. uh, uh, of God, of the church, of themselves. Some catechisms um, in the Anglican tradition, the first question is, what is your name? Um, so you ask the student that, what is your name? Yeah. Uh, and so it's really can be empowering to the person going through the catechesis that they come with their whole self to this catechetical process. Um, having said that, any sort of, you know, sometimes I'll meet people who sat under very bright, uh, dry, excuse me, um, bad preaching. And so they're kind of just like, yeah, the sermon part isn't my favorite or people had a very kind of boring liturgy. So they don't really like liturgy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to kind of dismiss a good thing because of bad uses of right. that thing. Yeah. What I would encourage people uh, to do is whatever you call it. And if you don't call it catechesis, that's fine with me. Uh, I don't have a particular yeah. mm -hmm. uh, interest in, in the word per se, but this practice of taking seriously the moral, theological, and spiritual formation of a new believer is absolutely critical. And whatever you call it, however you however you do it, um, it's important that you that you do it. So if you had some bad practices, you know, stale coffee or and bad donuts were served, you know, don't do that. Make it better. Make it more lively. But don't give up on the good practice because of bad uh, implementations. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. So, um, so can you walk us through the catechetical journey? Right. I, I love these words. Catechetical journey. It sounds so. I feel yeah. so smart. Um, so can you walk us through the catechetical journey that someone would take if they start out as what we would today call a seeker? So I'm not a Christian, but I'm curious. I'm interested. What's this all about? Um, what would what would my catechesis journey look like from that stage to, say, mature believer? Yeah, it's a great question. So in some ways, um, I'll contradict this in a second, but in some ways it won't uh, take them from being a seeker to being a, a mature believer. In one sense, catechesis is that initial... Uh, period. Um, catechesis often in kind of uh, in in the medieval period and in sort of still in the Catholic and Anglican tradition 
happens during Lent. You had baptisms during um, uh, on Easter. And so those days preceding Easter were a time for people to prepare for induction into the church. Yeah. So their catechetical process was a specific period of time that concluded. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, you know, you have someone come in and they're a, they're a non-believer. Um, programmatically at a church, what you would do is you have a set time, you know, you say, oh, you're interested in joining the church. We're so happy that you are. Uh, we want to get to know you better. And we want to kind of show you what you're getting into. Jesus doesn't, every person who says, I want to follow, you know, he doesn't say, okay, great, come along and I'll explain it to you later what you give up. He'll right. say, you know, let the dead bury their own dead. Yeah. This is what it means. To be a believer, count the costs. So we'll tell people, you know, count the costs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a catechetical process will be um, giving specific questions that are important to ask of the faith before you're ready to be baptized. So um, this allows us to do several things, one of which is to confuse misunderstandings they have about Christianity. Um, It allows us to put a good catechism that takes the Bible seriously will ask questions of the Bible that go with the grain of scripture. So, you know, this within youth ministry, you know, sometimes people will ask a question of scripture that just the Bible doesn't answer. You know, they'll say, uh, you know, a, a math question of scripture or something like that. And they'll think they really stumped you. But you can't go to a book and ask a question that the author isn't intending to answer and think that somehow that's a deficient book. So we'll give questions that orient the uh, person on this catechetical journey, as you say, um, to the grain of scripture. So what does God expect of me? Why uh, I'm preaching this Sunday on Deuteronomy 30. Uh, where we read that, you know, blessing is before those who be- obey, curse is before those who disobey. And, um, you know, why is it so hard to obey God's law? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is this in my nature? So we talk about sin nature. And then why is it, though I'm sinful, how can I escape judgment and curse hell, which is rightfully um, before me as a fallen sinful person, how can I receive this blessing of God? Is it possible? And then we explain the gospel. So as they come in, it's this set period of time and set document you use, again, mostly consisting of head, heart, hands, Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, uh, Ten Commandments that orients one. Then, instead of contradict myself, then you have your catechism, and as questions come up um, of the text of oneself of one's world, the catechism can be a really helpful guide to continually return to um, as one uh, seeks to grow in faith. Uh, you've probably heard this illustration before, but it's kind of like the catechetical process is kind of like putting wood in a fire. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, you work with students and um, you're investing in them, you're teaching them and so forth. You're putting wood in that fire, but just there hasn't been a spark yet. They don't get it. But then something will happen, often a catastrophe, and they'll think, what do I rely on uh, in this moment of grief or pain? And then the spark gets lit. And they have all this wood in the fireplace and there's a roaring fire. They don't just have twigs Mm -hmm. 
from youth ministry. And again, not to just keep talking about you, but this is why what you do is so important and why what youth ministry does is so important. Many of our students are not walking away from faith. They've never been past the faith to begin with. They've had moments of crisis, a spark yeah. has been lit, and they've just been given um, twigs and leaves. Catechesis is a way to put good solid logs in there. Yeah. One of the ways I've been thinking about it lately, um, it's probably a blog article that'll post <laughs> sometime, is um, I, I think we need to we need to help students develop a faith that's big enough for them to grow into instead yeah. of a teenage-sized faith that they will grow out of. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that, as youth workers, we have been guilty of, and frankly, that that I personally, myself, have been guilty of, of you know, not watering things down, um, but withholding some of the deeper things and some of the more confusing and mature things because the students weren't ready for it yet. But when we only give kids stuff that they're ready for, um, then we're, we're kind of not giving them anything to grow into, or at least a picture yeah. of what's to come. You know, so we don't want to, yeah. we don't want to talk over their heads, um, or intentionally confuse them. Um, but we do want to intentionally catechize them and, and to, not withhold the the big and holy truth of who God is and what has he revealed in scripture um, instead of always kind of making it kiddie-sized for yeah. him. Um, so a, a lot of what you were describing um, about catechesis and baptismal preparation and everything sounds kind of like a, a baptism class, right? So mm-hmm. you're Anglican, yeah. I'm Baptist. Um, so it sounds like like a baptism class. Totally. So across liturgical traditions and from Anglican to, to Baptist and everywhere uh, before and after and in between, um, what, what, when we're catechizing students to prepare them for, for baptism, what are, what are your recommendations for how long should that, how long should that take? Um, if you're going through the Apostles' Creed and the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer, um, that sounds like more than just a two or three or even four week class, right? So, what does that actually look like? Yeah, great question. I think there are a couple ways to do it. Probably thinking of of it in hours rather than sessions or days is helpful. Mm-hmm. We do live in a really busy world. Students have you know, football practice, they just, their schedules are not only busy, that's one yeah. thing, but also often they're dependent upon the car of a parent. It's true. So when they're unreliable yeah. or, or unpredictable, yeah. it's not always their fault. You know, most of the time it probably is. Uh, so I think it's helpful. Oftentimes you could have a retreat. Uh, that's what we do here okay. for people yeah. who are interested in joining the church. You could do a retreat. You could begin this kind of catech. You could pass along, mm-hmm. you know, the the bones of, of a good catechetical process over a few day uh, retreat, take intentional time to do it. Of course, there are other ways. We are just planning a, a catechesis course for the fall that's going to be 11 weeks yeah. for our sixth graders. So, you know, over 11 weeks, they're kind of um, learning all of this. And that may seem way more intense than a retreat. But if you're thinking in hours, yeah. 
you, it may actually not be 11 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to get that. You would be able yeah. to get that time of teaching in a really concentrated um, retreat. So that's kind of how I would, how I would think about it is the less period of time, more, um, uh, more what you're, what you're uh, ha- passing it down in, in terms of hours. Um, and then just, I mean, you've mentioned Baptist a couple of times, you know, there really are some great um, Baptist uh, catechetical resources. Uh, friend Br- Brandon Smith, who uh, you may know, he's at Cedarville University, yep. and he has. Um, I know they the the things they do with their network. I forget exactly what it's called. Maybe Baptist Renewal. Yeah, Center for really good yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is it? Do you know uh, what it's, it's called? Center for um, Theological retrie- Retrieval. Is it? Renewal? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Just showing. Yeah. The Baptist tradition is so beautiful and rich and complex and great. And so there's, there's a lot of good resources. They've just kind of been left on the, on the back shelf as they have been in many traditions, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it, what it might look like and, and where I would, where I would start. There are also some good catechisms that would be really appropriate for a Baptist church, say uh, the new city catechism, the gospel coalition yep. puts out is great. Yep, it is. It draws on some of the best of the catechetical tradition, whether it's, you know, the Heidelberg catechism, mm-hmm. Westminster catechism, some of the Baptist confessions. Yep. So that might be if, and they have a curriculum yeah. also that I highly recommend uh, starting with the new city catechism uh, could be a really good place to start. If, I'll say two recommendations, that catechism yep. and curricular things. And then just in book form, a book by uh, a professor there, Gordon Conwell, actually, you'll, you'll know his name. And J.I. Packer wrote a yep. book called Grounded in the yep. Gospel. Gary Parrott and J.I. Packer. Yeah. Yeah. That book is, is really terrific just to introduce a person who's kind of new to catechesis to, to why it's important. The last thing I'll say just in terms of what you do is, I come from, as do you, a traditions that take the Bible really seriously and Bible preaching and exegesis and exegetical preaching mm-hmm. really seriously. Catechesis isn't the time for uh, Bible study, as important as Bible study is. Most of the heresies in the church come out of really rich and deep Bible study. You know, you take one passage and you just kind of examine it to the exclusion of other passages and you come out, you know, only having read the warning passages of scripture about mm-hmm. those who fall away or only those, uh, and you become a legalist yeah. or only those passages yeah. to do with God's free grace and you become an antinomian. Uh, catechesis is a way to pass along the whole faith, to focus on the forest you bring in trees of scripture, yep. no doubt, because you want kids to know this guy isn't making it up. But I would want to just kind of highlight for yeah. people, catechesis isn't just really deep Bible study. It's something different. It's handing along the totality of our faith that gives context yeah. to uh, to scripture, particular verses. Yeah, that's really good. So I love that point. And um, this is why, you know, we, we call this youth pastor theologian. Um, and that mm-hmm. our, one of our, our mission is to help youth workers teach theologically with confidence. It's not to help youth workers teach theology with confidence, right? Because right. there's a difference between the, right. teaching theology and teaching theologically. Uh, we want to teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. We don't just want to teach theology. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah. what you're saying about catechesis. It, it's the theological thread that holds the teaching of Scripture together and that flows out from that. So yeah, yeah we we, yeah. All, we don't we don't want to teach theology necessarily. We want to teach the Bible theologically. I think catechesis exactly. really helps us do yeah. that well. So that's such a good way. That's a better way to say it than what I had said. And it also shows why your whole ministry doesn't need to be catechesis right. because there are churches like that, that like they're so theological. They've never trained their students to engage with the Bible yeah. itself. Yeah. And they feel like, Oh, you know, he just read a verse about, you know, uh, about an apostasy passage and, but he brought in, you know, why you could be confident in your <laughs> yeah. salvation. I could never engage the Bible that yeah. way. He's so smart. If all you're doing is catechesis and theology, you've just never given people the Bible directly. Yeah. So you want to do yeah. both and probably just thinking of times, you know, maybe in a, in a given year, two or three months of teaching on catechesis head, heart, hands, what does the Bible say about the whole of life? Nine months expository ministry of the word. That might be, you know, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there, maybe different in different contexts, yeah. but uh, that might be kind of a good balance to yeah. strike. That's a good recommendation. Um, so as you just kind of look at the lay of the land today, um, why do you think catechesis has lost favor in so many churches today? Where's it gone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the problems is uh, it has to do with the success of the church. As the world become, became Christianized, people did have a Judeo-Christian worldview. I mean, a lot of the ethics, for instance, hands, how you behave. Uh, if, you, if you're converted you know, in a world shaped by the Judeo-Christian ethic, you don't have to be taught about stealing, mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, just kind of the basics of the moral law of Israel. Because you take that for granted. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a friend who one time someone told him, um, you know, well, everybody knows cannibalism's wrong. Or excuse me, he said, everybody knows, uh, oh, everybody knows there's not a Christian way to cook, they said. The Bible isn't, the worldview doesn't matter. There's not a Christian way to cook. And he responded, tell that to a cannibal, you know, <laughs> and there are places in the world that just live differently <laughs> than those shaped. Yeah. Yeah. Than those shaped by the Christian worldview. So part of it is, you know, if you're a convert in a Judeo Christian yeah. world, you don't need as deep of catechesis. You kind of know, yeah. you know, um, what Christians believe in your head and you've rejected yep. it. You know how they live. You've sinned, of course. But just coming to faith, you have to learn the Lord's Prayer to call God Father. And, and that's mm -hmm. Billy Graham's ministry, right? He comes to a world convicted of their sin. They know they're sinners. They know what's right and wrong. They know what Christians believe. They've just never accepted it. And then in that context, he shares this simple gospel mm -hmm. and says, believe, but a lot of work has been done yeah. for him by the culture. Yeah, the logs are already in the fire. To, yeah, yeah, logs are already in the fire, exactly. So catechesis birthed out of a world hostile to the faith mm -hmm. and it needs to be recovered. And I don't cast stones. Yeah. My grandparents didn't need to be as cognitive of, you know, what a catechism was and catechesis as we do. We should live in a different world, a world more like the early church. So it's fallen out of favor, but it's for good reason, probably understandable reason. Yeah. It just needs to be recovered because uh, of how quickly our world is changing. Yeah. Um, so before we, 
before we started this call, you were talking a bit about um, late catechesis and late modernity. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you mentioned it and then you, that you held back and said, I'll, I'll mention this in the podcast. Uh, so I, I'm curious <laughs> to, to hear you on that. So what, what does catechesis look like um, in today's culture and in late modernity and kind of just riff on that a bit? Yeah, you know, if you look at catechisms birthed out of the Protestant Reformation, uh, most are oriented, whether on the Catholic side or the Reformer side, around this question of justification. Why? Because it is the question of the day, and they are seeking to ground their people in that question. If now the Protestants, you know, the Pope and Martin Luther uh, agreed on a lot of the Lord. I mean, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and and the Apostles' Creed. Uh, uh, the the issue was uh, this kind of distinct question in the world. What I would say is that in our modern moment, we have uh, distinct questions before us, questions of human sexuality, of gender, of identity. Just as Martin Luther would have been derelict to have written a catechism given the questions of his day and not, mm-hmm address justification. I think we would be derelict if in the process of becoming a Christian, we said, well, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about how you live out your sexuality. Just believe, you know, the Lord's prayer or whatever. It's like, no, actually the Bible does address that question because it's pressing at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's not that we want to be quote unquote culture warriors or something like that, but we want to be honest about what the church is and allow you the opportunity to count the costs do you want to enter into this fellowship where Christ claims lordship over the whole of your life? So that's what I, that's what I meant by that was just so important as you're doing catechesis to say what opportunities for change and repentance and growth are there and how do we address that yeah. before uh, the person is baptized or received into the communion? Yeah, no, that's good. And a lot of those issues are addressed in the catechism as we walk through the Ten Commandments and we read, I shall yeah. not commit adultery. Okay, so let's talk about marriage. Right? So, yeah, exactly right. You know, that a lot of these issues are enfolded into the catechisms and statements of faith that we have uh, received handed down from prior generations yeah. and contemporary uh, forms of catechisms and confessions of faith as well. Um, so as we, as we start to kind of tie things together for youth workers who are listening in, uh, what are some core principles of catechesis that you would recommend for us to recover, uh, for discipling the next generation today? That's, uh, you know, kind of keeping teenagers in mind in particular. Yeah. Great question. Well, the first thing is. If you're going to, you know this having worked with students, if you're going to get a student excited about something, you yourself have to be excited about it. And it doesn't matter what that thing is. You know, if you watch someone excited about cooking on TV, you'll pause even if it's just for a couple minutes, even if you have no interest in cooking, Mm -hmm. because they're excited about it. You have to have a, a lively faith in Jesus and you can't take that for granted. And if you don't have a lively faith with Jesus, um, this is a really good opportunity to question why that is, right? And to to pray and reflect and ask for wisdom and guidance. 
So I would say the first thing is you need to not just know what the catechism says. You need to be excited about the faith. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is take the questions of the students seriously. Yeah. I would probably the first hour or so ask the students uh, about themselves, their background. Um, many of them won't necessarily be struggling with what we think of as hot button issues. I have other questions that are legitimate and scripture addresses. Take note of the person who's coming. Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, I used to, I was in education for many years, full-time, still part-time, but I would always tell teachers and teacher training seminars and the like, I would always say, it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are. It's how good uh, uh, of learners are in front of you. In other words, like really think about the point mm-hmm. of this isn't just for me to show off what I know. Yeah. It's for them to learn. Yeah. Keep that goal in mind. That would be the second thing. Be lively, be active, uh, teach with learning in mind. Um, and then third, uh, don't be discouraged when people do turn away and say, no, it happened to Jesus and it'll, it'll happen to us. Uh, if people treated the master uh, thusly, they will treat his disciples likewise. He, he tells us that very thing. Yeah, and I think that's a good reminder because uh, as youth pastor theologians, right, we aren't um, theology professors in the youth room. Uh, we're youth pastors who are uh, embracing and prioritizing theological conversations, the way we talk about evangelism and practice discipleship and passing on the next faith to the next generation. And so, um, yeah, we don't want to talk over the kids' heads, but we also, like like we were saying earlier, we don't want to withhold big and complicated and sometimes confusing truths from them yeah. and challenge students to actually think about the faith. And so um, I, I do think sometimes we tend in youth ministry to avoid um, doctrinal conversations. Um, and there are you know, discouragingly few good resources that are youth ministry specific about theology, which is you know part of why we've started Youth Pastor the- Theologian. And we're hoping to provide more resources like that for, for our listeners. Um, But I do want to encourage us as we pursue catechesis and a catechetical renewal in youth ministry, um, use a catechism, even if you're going to modify it, but to use a catechism that the structure of the catechism will keep you on track. It will give you and the student both something to look at. So you're not just at each other saying like, oh, I don't know how to open this next conversation. Like they can look at the catechism and see the next question you're going to ask and you're going to discuss. So use the resources that we do have available. Uh, if your church denomination does not have a, um, a catechism or a statement of faith, then yeah, I, I agree with Dustin and recommending the New City Catechism. It's It's really a wonderful resource um, that we can avail ourselves of. So, um, as we as we wrap up, um, any thoughts and reflections, suggestions for for youth workers who are in a non liturgical tradition? Uh, catechesis, catechisms are completely foreign. Maybe these are words and terms that 
they're hearing for the first time and don't really even know how to Google search because they don't know how to spell it. Um, how can these youth workers begin to introduce um, lessons and principles from catechesis into their youth ministry? Yep, great question. I uh, When I was, I was a chaplain at a prep school and I had a student once whose parents were just wonderfully faithful people and he was a very serious Christian and very committed to the Reformed faith. And they were kind of uh, uh, ardent students of John Calvin. And this student, if we ever, a discussion about Arminianism, Calvinism ever came up, man, he just knew exactly um, uh, how to how to, to reason well uh, regarding justification and so forth. Well, one day, this young man, I won't say, say his name, uh, came to me and he said, well, I started dating a girl. So junior in high school. And I was like, great to hear. And he said, um, he said the only thing is she's Mormon. And I said, well, what do your parents think about that? And he said, well, they're not happy. But he said, I explained to him, I asked her questions about God's sovereignty. And he said, you don't know this, but the Mormons take God's sovereignty very seriously. And so I began to ask some questions. I said, well, do you, what do they think about who Jesus was, about the Holy Trinity? And he said, I don't know. He said, I know they did they disagree on some things, but man, when you on the central things, I really think they're they're Calvinists. Now, <laughs> I there's there's much to learn in Calvinism and Lutheranism, but the first thing I'd say if you're interested in implementing this is you have students who reflect that which you're passionate about. It's not that the side, you know, John Calvin takes over. I don't know who yeah. a famous Arminian uh, today would be, but yeah. let's say I think Fred Sanders, who I have a lot of respect yeah. for, is an Arminian. Yeah. It's not that there aren't legitimate disagreements between someone like Fred Sanders and John Piper. But the center of the faith is that God is three in persons, one in essence, right? Yeah. So if you're excited about questions of God's sovereignty, great, but just know that what your student is hearing is these distinctives of denominations are the center. When that happens, yeah. it's yeah. not that everything becomes the center. It's yeah. that the center gets crowded to the periphery, which was the case in, in this yeah. uh, young man I was, I was speaking about. The Trinity had become the fringe and, you know, double predestination had become the center. So start implementing catechism. And what you're going to find when you look at Luther's catechism, Westminster catechism, to be a Christian in my tradition, um, uh, the New City catechism, is a lot of overlap and similarity in these kind of basics of head, heart, hands. Start teaching the center. So if you've never done it before, do a sermon series do the Ten Commandments. It won't take you could do it in five weeks, do two commandments a, a week, or, or you could do 10 weeks, or do yeah. a series on the Lord's Prayer, just God being um, our Father, His kingdom coming to earth. Do a series on, uh, you know, the Apostles' Creed may feel strange in, in your context. You don't even have to say, I'm doing a sermon series on uh, the Apostles' Creed. Just do one and say, these are basics of the Christian faith. Teach it and be excited about the center. And then as you fill in the picture from the rest of scripture, students will have categories and know how to arrange that sort of intellectual furniture in their head. Yeah, that's that's really good recommendation. And it is. Um, yeah, that's so sad. Um, and yeah, I can totally picture that oh, you know, they don't believe in the Trinity, but they're Calvinists because they, oh man. Um, yeah, that's that's really a good reminder, yeah. like you said earlier, of keeping our heart warm and passionate yeah. about the gospel 
first and foremost? And are we bored with the gospel uh, because it's just we just assume it, right? Um, or are we still you know, are we passionate about mm. Jesus? Um, so uh, we do have an article on the YPT blog uh, that I wrote a while back about how catechesis can transform your youth ministry, and in that I can just walk through uh, the ways that. Um, I in my in my own youth ministry have have tried to practice catechesis as a Baptist in my youth group and um, just for for me uh, was that what that's looked like in my own youth group is uh, each year I take one core theme of catechesis uh, Lord's Prayer Ten Commandments Apostles Creed and I focus on one of them and say I'm, we're going to do a eight to ten week series on one of these catechesis themes each school year and don't repeat the same one two years in a row. So Mm -hmm. some years do, um, so like right now, um, we're actually in the midst of a series going through the apostles creed, um, breaking down section by section. And my students are totally into it. Actually. I I totally didn't. I'm kind of surprised to be frank, um, how interested they are, but, um, just giving them good basic theology that they in in a way that they can understand, but in a way that also is is bigger than kind of just what they had already assumed, um, and inviting them to really think about what they believe. They're they're totally digging it. Wow. Um, other years for you know the the head type of things instead of the Apostles' Creed, we've also done like a comparison of world religions and comparing and contrasting what is unique about Christianity and the gospel in comparison to these other worldviews, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes it can be a comparative type of thing. Like what is distinctively about the Christian, about Christian theology um, for, um, you know, the Lord's prayer, Um, you know, we've just sometimes teach straight through the Lord's prayer. Sometimes you can go through um, the prayers of Jesus in the gospels, or the prayers of Paul, or the Psalms, and mm-hmm. just you know something about the spiritual disciplines, because that's really the heart of what uh, the Lord's Prayer is about. It's about yeah. your 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 vibrancy and in, in your spirituality. Um, and if talking about Christian spirituality makes you feel a little bit funny, then just settle in, because um, I hope that we are um, people who can talk about Christian spirituality. Yeah. And uh, having to do with the Ten Commandments, you know, just obviously teaching through the Ten Commandments, and sometimes you can teach just law and gospel. Um, and so you you pair up um, the Ten Commandments with New Testament gospel, and you know, how does the gospel empower us to walk according to the Ten Commandments, um, and, and just walking through the habits and lifestyle of a Christian? So there's different ways that you can do things. That's not strictly, you know catechetical and you know using the big fancy words but that you can use catechisms um in formal and in informal ways yeah um in your youth ministry and in putting these resources in the hands of parents especially um late elementary school parents um and early middle school parents to to start having these conversations with their kids as they're starting to ask bigger questions. And as these kids are able to understand bigger answers, um, you know, so that way as as parents read and study the catechism, they're also being discipled by the very resource that they're using to disciple their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. 
Um, Dustin, any final words and encouragements for our listeners? Yeah, I the first thing is just how incredibly important the vocation of youth ministry is. Um, I hope the church in the next generation, as we see so many sadly young people fall away from the faith, I hope that that cold water wakes us up and we realized that realize that youth ministry is um, absolutely vital. Now you can call it different things. I get all of that. There are people who who like different words. Whatever you call it, the ways yeah. you're passing on the faith and engaging the younger generation is absolutely crucial. And uh, if you're if you're listening to this, presumably you take it seriously. God bless you. Um, but if you're listening to this and for whatever reason you don't take it. Seriously, and you're hoping to do something else with your life, uh, you need to quit and let someone who does take it seriously have your job because our work is too important. Heaven and hell is before us. And uh, what we do really, really matters. And so I hope that encourages uh, the person listening and, and catechesis is is one way, hopefully, that we could uh, we could demonstrate just how seriously we, we take our vocation in youth ministry. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. If there's um, if any listeners want to get in touch with you, how could how could people find you? Maybe on Twitter or other social media. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, uh, you, my email is Dustin at ASCDallas.org. If people are welcome to to email me, and then just keep. You know, Youth Pastor Theologians is a great resource. Occasionally I'll write for Rooted Ministry, another great uh, outreach for, for youth workers, um, Mockingbird Ministry, a lot of good, a lot of good uh, resources out there. But the first one I would tell people about is Youth Pastor Theologian. If you're listening to this, you, you already know about it. All right. Dustin, brother, thank you so much for your friendship, for your ministry. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, listeners, thanks for your ministry to students and thanks for listening. Uh, I also want to make sure you remember that we do have a free ebook that we've recently published called Youth Ministry is Theological Ministry and Invitation to Youth Pastor Theologians. It's a free download when you subscribe to the Youth Pastor Theologian blog. So hop on to youthpastortheologian.com and click the subscribe button and you'll get an email with a link to be able to download that book as a PDF or for your Kindle app. And that's our free gift to you. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, Keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.